crowds were still able to gather together, the graduating students of Morehouse College, a historically black men's college in Atlanta, Georgia, were stunned when the, their commencement guest speaker, Robert F. Smith, announced at the end of his speech that he was making a gift to the college to cover the entire school loans of the, of the entire graduating class of 400 students, including parent loans. And when you watch the footage of this moment, you could see it took a few seconds for the students to realize just what was like, just what was happening. And then all of a sudden the whole crowd like just erupts in cheers and the relief and the joy was palpable. Can you imagine that moment? On a smaller scale, I found myself captivated by similar acts of generosity, refreshing my friends GoFundMe as, um, and just watching community surround her with support through big and small gifts to help her buy a wheelchair accessible van to help increase her mobility as MS has left her homebound, celebrating with her when the goal was miraculously met. Those things are not cheap. Even just watching my two-year-old uh, offering his older brother some of his snack, which is a rarity in this toddler stage, and my heart just melting at this newfound gesture in giving. What is it about generosity that captures our imagination? What compels such joy in giving? And what holds us back? So today in our series, Open, Se today in our series, Open Secrets, we will continue to examine the public yet neglected teachings of Jesus, the hard teachings. And this one comes from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. And before I read the passage, I wanna give a little bit of context. So Jesus has been teaching and traveling with his disciples for a bit, and he's confronting religious hypocrisy. He's confronting the Pharisees who are religious leaders known for their sanctimonious rule keeping. And Jesus challenges them on their lack of integrity and concern for people. And he says this, it's a paraphrase. He says, how can you clean the outside of a cup and never wash the inside of a cup? That's gross. That's what it's like when you worship and pray, but you lack concern for people and care for the poor. Woof. They did not like hearing that. <laughs> and their disdain for Jesus intensifies. And Jesus leaves. And he is met by thousands of people searching for him and wanting to hear him teach. And that's where we pick up in this neglected teaching in chapter 12. Jesus continues teaching about living an integrated faith in the midst of opposition and what it looks like to trust in God and trust in God's provision when just then he's interrupted by someone. And that's where I'll pick up in 13 to 21, if you wanna follow along. So 13 to 21, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? And then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger ones. 
And there I will store my surplus grain and I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? That is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Now, this guy asking for Jesus' help with this matter, it's not uncommon for someone to seek the request, like seek the help of a rabbi to help them with navigating issues like an inheritance dispute. And there are cultural guides to how inheritance work, like the older brother gets, or the older sibling gets a certain amount and so on and so on. And we don't really have much to go on in this, in this passage about the specifics of this man and his inheritance dispute. But what we do see is Jesus pushes back at being at the center of it. Rather, he speaks to the heart of the matter. Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. It is kind of uh, reassuring like that this issue of greed is an ever, like an all-time issue. So it's nice that what Jesus spoke then is still relevant to us now. Um, but I would say even more so in our American culture and our Western culture, like ours, that is just saturated with consumption and placing value on always being upwardly mobile. Accumulation is in the air we breathe. It's what fuels our images of success. And it's what our culture promotes as like the end goal of everything. And Jesus wants to speak to that. That God cares about what we do with our lives about how we steward our resources and what has a hold on our hearts. So Jesus continues by sharing this parable, this short story to help us understand this idea. And the warning here is not in the actual abundance. It's the ground that yielded the, the harvest, but it's how the man stewarded it. In the parable, this man is already rich. I don't know if you noticed that this already rich man yielded even more abundant harvest. So it's this already rich man decides by himself to invest more in himself, to dare tear down his current barns and build bigger barns and store his wealth and secure a comfortable life. And the parable continues when God confronts the man and says, your long-term investment in yourself in your short, it, your long-term investment in yourself is short-sighted. You don't know it, but your time has come. And now what is the fruit of your labor? What's your legacy? And Jesus is not saying here that having possessions is bad, but he's saying the selfish pursuit of them is pointless. What are ways that we can get caught up in that pursuit? Okay, as so I've sat with this parable and wondered, why did I say yes to this passage? Like, I've really tried to dig deep and think about my own life. I tried to think about what are the roots at this kind of self-centered pursuit. And there are many, but I narrowed it down to three core messages that I think drive it. You need, you need this to be safe, you need this to matter, and you need this because you deserve it. And at different times in my life, I've banked on these messages to justify times of spending or withholding, dreaming or planning and using my resources. And it's not to say that spending or withholding or dreaming are inherently bad. 
But when they are founded on these messages at the root, they will leave us wanting. I am naturally like a worst case scenario type of person. <laughs> My husband has come to realize that the phrase, what's the worst that can happen is never hypothetical for me. And um, I'm always thinking ahead of what we need and always planning for the worst. And while this need for security drives me, at the core, it's fear. It's fear that I will be left without. It's fear that I will lack. And so for, this, for me, this message, you need this to be safe, gives me permission to constantly worry about whether we have enough saved for retirement, whether we have enough money in the bank. And even in times of abundance, it kind of keeps me, um, I fear giving too much, giving away too much. And it keeps me kind of in that withholding posture. And this fear is often a fueling message that um, keeps me from practicing generosity. Um, but it also keeps me from t going to God with my worry. Like instead of going to God with my worry and working that out with the Lord and letting God work that out in me, I kind of hunker down, I bury it deep, and then I just kind of stay safe. And I kind of control um, the, the reality of what I'm experiencing. Maybe you can relate. These messages, they sneak in. Um, I can think of a time when I was in college. I'm almost like all of these stories, I'm really embarrassed to tell you, but I'm going to share them because I think that's how we get transformed. So I can remember a time in college when I was, you know, I don't know, 18, 19 or 20, and I went to the Gap and I spent 50 bucks on a Gap sweatshirt. Now, there were tons of people in line. I'm sure everybody, every day somebody probably buys a Gap sweatshirt. There's nothing wrong with buying a Gap sweatshirt. But for me, it was that message, I need this to matter. I bought it with the intention that I would fit in better with the people in the dorms. These new, this new community I was building and I wanted to fit in. And I thought like, I was like this pink haired thrift shop punk kid. And I thought like, I need to fit in with this new group. And so I bought this sweater and it was that driving message that was so um, distorting. And not only that, when we believe that message that the things like, at 18, it was a sweater, but unchecked, that message is what fuels this constant idea that my life has to always upgrade in order to have value. And then we, it starts to distort the way we see people. And we start seeing them as a means to my gain, to my end, um, and not as people with value and inherent worth of, worthy of inherent dignity. I've even noticed this message I need this because I deserve it. I've noticed this show up recently. And, um, and it was when I was on Instagram and I saw a story and I quickly swiped fast. Like I saw it for a second and I was like, nope. And it was a story about a, a friend posted was about a ministry. She was sharing a ministry that's doing amazing things. And she said, if you don't need your stimulus check, give it to this organ, like consider giving it to this organization. And I was like, I couldn't swipe fast enough. And I was so uncomfortable with that feeling in me. Like I kind of stopped and was like, what was that about? I mean, there's times I've been compelled to give and it's brought me joy. And I really tried to sit with like, what was that feeling about? And I realized it was because I didn't want to have to think about giving this money we had just received away. We had just got these checks and I felt like I, I, we needed it. I wanted it. We deserved it. It's been a hard year. 
And honestly, I just didn't, I didn't even want to like tell this story. I kept putting it in and taking it out because I'm embarrassed by that. But those messages are in us. Those things drive our actions. And it was because I could recognize it and thankfully had it on my mind um, that I could meet the Lord with it. And then from there, be able to say, okay, God, what do you have for us? Like, what do you want to compel us to do in joy? And not be trapped by this um, self-centered pursuit. And God is aware of our struggles. God knows these messages live in us. And he seeks to work that out in us to free us. So those are a few of my, my examples. But I want to ask you where, do, where can you see these messages showing up in our culture? So these messages of you need this to be safe. You need this to matter. You need this because you deserve it. Where can you see it showing up in our culture? And where can you see it showing up in your own life? So in this parable, this rich man is already rich and already had full barns to meet his current needs. And yet his vision for the surplus was still all about him. I think what makes this passage a hard teaching is that we don't want to make you, we don't want to feel guilty. And so we avoid going there. But those self-centered messages, those drives in us, they live in us. They speak to our core identity. They speak to the motivations with which we pursue our dreams. They, they speak value um, to our worth and our worthiness of others. And the thing that they all have in common is that they're all about us. Not only are they not true, but they're not even fulfilling. Like that saying, the one with the most toys, doesn't actually win. So what's the alternative? Well, Jesus offers an antidote to greed, being rich towards God. So what does that mean? I think he's saying life is not found in an abundance of possessions, but in participation in a life with God that blesses others. I'll say it again. Life is not found in an abundance of possessions, but in a participation in a life with God that blesses others. Being rich towards God means investing and valuing the things God values. So I actually want to have us pause here and sit with this because I think the way that it speaks to each of us will be a little bit different. So like Ryan mentioned, we're going to go into breakouts for 10 minutes to discuss a couple of questions to process this idea together. And then I'll come back and finish my message afterwards. And just to let you know, like he said, like enter in at your own comfort level, even if that means like keeping your camera off or listening in, you can even use the chat. Um, but really the goal is to kind of start tilling the soil um, and like helping think about these things in a more deep and personal way so that we can apply them better. And um, we'll have 10 minutes. And the two questions are this, which of these three root messages do you most identify with and why? And then how do you notice these from keeping you from living a life that is rich towards God and others? So we'll take 10 minutes and then I'll come back with um, the closing. 
Okay, well, welcome back, everyone. I think everyone's back by now. And um, yeah, I was saying, I hope this has been helpful to process a little bit of how this is landing for you. Um, this is hard stuff. And I think there's value in processing it in community. Um, I just wanna say, God is about transformation, not transaction. God wants to help us clean the outside of the cup and clean the inside of the cup. So God wants to work with us, wants to work in and through us in these areas that feel really hard and uncomfortable and shaming. So I want to offer three practices that I, I think will help us practice that, will help us move towards a posture of being rich towards God and being on guard from these messages of greed in us. So the first is to pursue God. So in order to invest in God and the thing God values, we have to know God. We have to get to know God's heart better. Um, just after this passage is a much more familiar passage on the do not worry. Like, do not worry about what you will eat or drink or what you will wear. Like, don't you know that God cares about you and wants to provide for you? And rather, it's, um, the invitation Jesus gives is like, seek the kingdom. Where your treasure is, that is where your heart is. And so the more that we pursue God, the more that we invite God into these areas of our lives, the more that we get to know God's heart and the things that God cares for. The second practice is practice generosity. So consider what resources you have and how you can bless others with them. And this could be in big ways, like an endowment to cover all the school loans of a graduating school, or it could be as simple as just being a generous, you know, like, um, being thoughtful about something that you have that you think somebody might benefit from or enjoy. Um, what are simple ways you can practice being generous with someone this week? It doesn't even have to just be monetary. It doesn't have to be grand gesture. Our resources include our time, our passions, our expertise. As a daughter of immigrants, I've realized that my education is a resource that my parents don't have. And being generous with them is often investing in helping them become educated on things that are intuitive to me in navigating life. How can you be generous with someone this week? Practice that. And the third is press into these roots of greed that are in your life. Reflect on what has a hold on your heart and work that out with God. When I was in college, I was meeting um, weekly with a couple of gals and we just kind of met and connected each week and at some point in our friendship we decided like hey every time we get together let's let's have like just for the sake of accountability let's come up with like a couple of questions like if you ask me anything ask me about these things because this is where I feel like I trip the most over and I had a few questions but one of them for me at that time was um, am I being generous am I giving am I giving you know to um, the things of God and, and just practicing generosity in my life. And um, it was really helpful. I struggled to give as, you know, a young person because of that just constant fear. I struggle with not having enough. And it was so helpful to have that practice and that support. Um, and even at that young age, uh, I've been able to um, develop disciplines and kind of safeguards around that value that I have to be a generous person that has carried into my adulthood. And so how can you press into these roots of greed that show up in your own life? 
when we pursue a life with God, when we steward, when we partner with God in our stewardship of the things that we have received, we get to experience the richness of God's provision in our own life. We get to experience his spirit. We get to experience his peace. We get to experience his love. We get to experience his resources. And when we have that partnership with God, we then get to invest in what matters, loving God and loving people. And that's what's central. And that's really what's fulfilling. As you go into this week, think about one way that you can practice being rich towards God, whether it's spending some extra time with Jesus and just getting to know God, whether it's an unexpected act of generosity that will bless someone, or maybe it's just reflecting more deeply on some of these messages that are um, rooted in us and that drive greed and consumption. And as we do together, may we be a community that is learning to become rich towards God and together. So I want to close our time in prayer. Will you join me? God, would you capture our imagination for what your kingdom on earth can look like? Would you help us to press into any waves we've made ourselves the center of that pursuit? Would you draw us near to you so that we may better know you and your heart? Would you free us from the grip of greed? And would you help us truly learn how to love our neighbors in joyful and generous ways? We love you and we pray in Jesus' name.